Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 476. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we've got Kevin Rakeshaw. Hey Kevin. Hey. Hi. How's it going? Uh, uh, pretty good. This week on the show we'll be taking a look at how to blow up a pipeline which is out now in limited release. We'll also be going over some of what we've been watching on the watch list and new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That'd be great. Uh, we are going to be recording this month's Saved by the 90s this week, so stay tuned for that. The theme this month is Dennis Quaid. So we're going to be talking about four Dennis Quaid movies of the 90s. Pretty excited for that, actually. Dennis Quaid. Yeah, Dennis Quaid. Uh, all right, let's talk about How to Blow Up a Pipeline. This is uh, directed by Daniel Goldhaber. I have a synopsis here. A crew of young environmental activists execute a daring mission to sabotage an oil pipeline. Uh, this, I think, was this, I think this premiered at Sundance, I want to say. Um, we have, we do have a review for this. Uh, maybe it was Tiff. Uh, our review for this was um, Chris covered it at uh, TIFF last year. So maybe that's where it premiered. At any rate, we'll start with you, Kevin. What were your initial impressions of how to blow up a pipeline? Um, I, for the most part, I thoroughly enjoyed this. It was relatively straightforward. Uh, it was kind of what I was hoping it would be, where it's just a very economical, straightforward, pretty tension-filled just setting up the mission and then watching that mission play out essentially. Yeah. And I don't really have much to complain about. The only thing that kind of didn't work for me is the occasional detours into like backstory, but they didn't detract from the film itself. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think it could it could have been like structured a little bit differently, but all things considered, I, I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal. I agree to a certain extent. I think that the, the backstory, like the little kind of asides and flashbacks were, they did break up the momentum a bit, especially when a lot of times there would, it would be like a little, little cliffhanger that, so there, there'd be something big that was just happening. And then they would cut away to somebody's backstory and they do kind of leave you hanging a little bit. And I think that it does kind of disrupt that momentum. But with that being said, I did like uh, how they would transition from like the, the backstory part into like the, the current day part. There was one specific one towards the end that I really liked. Um, the the one involving Sasha Lane's character, so it was like towards the end. I don't want to give it away, but I I did like how the uh, Goldhaber transitioned back into the present from those uh, little flashbacks. Thought that was kind of kind of cool, but I completely agree with you. This was exactly what I was hoping for. Um, I don't know why, but I was like a little worried that it was going to be something a little bit different. Um, I was wanting a, a straightforward kind of just tense thriller. That's what I wanted. 
And I think that uh, this this definitely delivers on that. You have a strong cast here. Um, the characters are endearing. And I was rooting for them. Like, I wanted them to succeed with this plan. And um, I just, yeah, it, it was tense. I, I thought that there were a lot of really tense moments. But, um, you know... I don't have too many other criticisms with it. It's well shot. You know, it looks great. I don't know if this was shot on film. It looks like it was, but I can't confirm that. 16 millimeter. So, yeah. There you go. It's shot on 16, but it looks great. Yeah, I don't really have much else to say. Just good shit all around. It was exactly what I was hoping for. Yeah, it was like you going into it. I was a little bit concerned of like what what the structure be and once you know you get through the initial like getting the team together or whatever you know and they start they start putting the the plan to fruition it was just it was exactly what i wanted i was like i really hope they like blow up a pipeline (laughs) guess what well i was i was (laughs) i think one of my concerns was that it was going to be a little too much like night moves for some, like for some reason I was just thinking about night moves a lot whenever I saw this movie get mentioned Mm -hmm. and I liked night moves to be clear, but I was like, I just wanted something different and I don't know why I draw drew comparisons preemptively drew comparisons between those two movies. Uh, I guess maybe the subject matter is similar, but at any rate, uh, these are, these are very different movies. And uh, I, I think that I like, I think Daniel Goldhaber's doing some really cool shit. I liked Cam a lot, his last movie. And uh, I, I'm really excited to see like what he's got coming up next, because uh, I think that he's a very talented director. It looks like he's doing a faces of death movie. Interesting. Um, I'm very interested in that. Yeah, I think I I like the night moves comparison or lack thereof, you know, the opposite of that, where this felt kind of like a, I don't want to necessarily say a throwback, but it just felt so in the vein of like a thriller type of just, you know, here's the mission and we're going through the mission step by step and just... It does. Detention building. Yeah. You know, and I, I had this feeling, I, there was a worry, I think my worry going into it is that it was going to get kind of bogged down with, like, the ideology of... Yeah, that of was one of my concerns, about. yeah. But it never does that. It never, I mean, it's in there, obviously, it's going to be, but to me it was never overbearing or suffocating in any way where you were like, oh, okay, we fucking get it, you know? I think that they, that... They did a really good job of delivering enough backstory with each of these characters that their motivations were very clear without having to bog us down with the ideology. I think that that was done in a very uh, kind of slick way where we knew exactly what these people stood for, but they didn't waste tons and tons of time in overly explaining why they're doing this. Like it, it all was done in a very, you know, 
uh, expeditious way. And uh, I definitely appreciated that. Um, and I think I, I, I like what you were, what you mentioned about, like, it does kind of feel like a throwback. Um, I, I think that part of that is probably because of how it was shot. It does feel like a, like a less modern thriller. Uh, it feels more like what we used to get, you know, in the seventies through the nineties with these like really great thrillers that are, that are like stripped down from all of the extra bullshit that we tend to get nowadays with, uh, with a lot of these thrillers and it just sticks to, you know, it's, it's main goal of delivering this really kind of taut, uh, exciting story. Yeah. I'm glad you said it because that, I wanted to point that out is that the way in which this is shot, especially like the, the cinematography mixed with the editing does make it feel kind of like a throwback to me. And I think it really added to that tension building. Uh, I would also like to highlight the, the score of this movie, which I liked quite a bit. I've said it a million times, but I don't typically notice a score in a movie unless it's something that really stands out good or bad for me and I think that Gavin Brivik's score in this is really quite good. I would agree but I don't remember it. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and say yeah. It, it was good. It, <laughs> it, it was uh, it did a good job of aiding with the the suspense like build, helping build that, that suspense up especially in the scenes when they're like you know delicately building and placing the the bombs and stuff. So yeah, this movie's great. Uh, highly recommend it. I don't know when it's going to be hitting VOD, but when it does check it out, if it's playing in your area, I would say go see it. Let's go ahead and give it a score. I'm, you know, I, I'm having a really hard time finding any faults in this movie. So I'm, I'm pretty high on this one. I'm at like an eight, even maybe even an eight and a half on this for me. I know what you mean, because I feel like, given everything that I've said, like, surely it's got to be no less than an eight. But at the same time, like, man, eight seems high. It does. But yeah. I'm going to go eight. I'm going eight. They they did it. They did the thing. They blew up They blew up the pipeline. Yeah. Two we, we, we did so. learn how, like the title says, how to blow up a pipeline. We did, we did learn how that was, how that was done. They did it. Also, I, also, I, I did... I did mention it, but kudos to the cast. Really good cast in this. Um, I, I liked I liked the the choices of everybody that was uh, that was being utilized in this. So yeah, it's t- it's tough to knock a movie that has assembling a ragtag group. Yeah, that always that's always good, right? Mm-hmm. Anytime you assemble a group, I'm in. Because I'm just like, who's in this group? I need to know more. Yeah. And then you get the group together, and it's like, okay, well, what's this group doing? Oh, they're going to blow up a pipeline? Okay. S- sign, sign me up. up. <laughs> sign me up. Yeah. Give me a break. Cool. Uh, all right. That's how to blow up a pipeline. Let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching. Kevin, I believe it is your turn this week. Oh, okay. I only have two, but I'm here to tell you about two that I liked a lot. I liked all the movies that I watched this week. Nice. It was just awesome. That was a good week. Yeah. So 
the first one is Lenore Will Never Die. This is from like last year. Uh, Martika Ramirez Escobar. This is available to rent on Amazon Prime, $3.99. Pick this up. I forget where this played. It played somewhere that piqued my interest. And then it came out on VOD, so I had to check this out. So this is about this woman. She's a retired filmmaker, right? And she's like, she's kind of forgetful. She keeps, the main thing is she keeps forgetting to pay her electric bill. Her son lives with her. This is a Filipino movie, by the way. And she decides that she like wants to finish this this screenplay that she was working on, and she ends up getting hit in the head with the TV, it knocks her out, puts her in a coma, but it also knocks her into the movie that she's working on. Nice. And the way in which the the movie is like presented is she used to make like old 80s action movies so they look like that it's that type of quality with the sound effects and all of that going on it's just an absolute riot this movie is great so much uh creativity in it uh a perfect balance of like being inventive funny but also dealing with grief and just juggling it all perfectly, really. I can't recommend this movie enough. I had a blast with this. Nice. That's Lenore Will Never Die. That is immediately going on my watch list. Looks like this this played Sundance and Fantastic Fest last year, and somehow I completely missed it. I think it was Fantastic Fest is where I heard about it. You will love this movie. Yeah, I mean, I just just watched part of the trailer, and um, yeah, I can already tell that this is something that I would absolutely love. So cool. Um, all right. I saw inside. Uh, this is the one with, uh, Willem Dafoe, the one that came out earlier this year, directed by Vasilis Katsupis. Uh, Willem Dafoe plays an art thief. He is doing his, this, this latest job, which involves a New York penthouse. So he, he breaks into a New York penthouse steals a bunch of really, really expensive art, millions of dollars, something goes wrong, and the house, the, the, the penthouse sort of goes into lockdown. He can't get out. And his his connections on the outside, his team, they abandon him, leave him in there. And not only is he completely locked into this penthouse, but the like the system goes completely haywire, and the heat turns on, and it is rapidly getting hotter and hotter and hotter in this, in this uh, penthouse and where he's completely trapped. And uh, as you might expect, he starts to go a little, little cuckoo, little bonkers. Oh no. Um, Interestingly, at one point the heat turns off and the AC turns on. So it goes from like 105 degrees to like 47. And it, and also at the beginning, there were strobe lights and a, like a loud siren sound. So, yeah, he went crazy pretty pretty fast. What's not really clear is how long he was actually in the the house, the penthouse. Uh, so it was kind of you couldn't really tell. It seemed like he wasn't in there that long. As like 
long enough to justify what happens and how crazy he goes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting. It's a little bit, it's pretty much what I thought it would be, but a little less so. I thought it was going to be a little bit more kind of on the surreal side, a little bit more focused on his, the madness. But for the most part, until towards the end, it's kind of normal. And him just trying to, like, get water because the water's turned off on this apartment as well. So he has no water, no food. Um, so it's like him, a lot of scenes of him, like just like sucking on the walls of the freezer. And Oh, by the way, like every time you open the fridge or the freezer, it plays the Macarena nonstop until you close it. So that was uh, another thing that, that aided in his insanity. Why? I guess it's like the like a door, you know, like a door alarm. Like you leave the door, the the fridge door open too long, and it starts to play an like an, an alarm. But uh, why would you pick Macarena? I, I guess because it's annoying enough that you want to immediately close that fridge door. I guess. Uh, either way, I was kind of down the middle on this one. Like, it was okay. Um, the beginning parts were okay and I don't know. I'm just, I'm not really sure why this movie's really, we need it. Like it just, it like it wasn't that entertaining and it wasn't that new and it didn't really have that much to say either. So at the end of the day, I was just like, okay, well, yeah, pretty forgettable. I remember when we were getting ready for our most anticipated, this is one that I read about, right? And initially, like reading it, you're like, "Oh yeah, nice." Mm-hmm. And then you think about it for like, like a split second more, and you're like, "Actually, I don't know if I want to watch that though." It's kind of yeah, and it's kind of gross too. Like, as you would expect with someone who is trapped in a, an apartment and there's no running water, so there's no like plumbing, the toilets mm-hmm. are not working. So they they do spend time like showing him where like showing us where he's shitting and his pee that's like turning brown from dehydration and it's kind of gross. Like eventually he just starts walking around completely naked and you know, it's uh it's not a very pleasant movie to watch. Yeah. Anyway, eh, don't really recommend it inside. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> Um, the only other thing I've watched is, you know, oh, the UA, the newest uh, UASA anime. Hmm. Uh, I didn't know that this just at some point it dropped on Hulu. Did not know. Just like, completely by accident. Saw it on there and I lost my mind and hit play faster than I've ever hit play on something. <laughs> and uh, it did not disappoint. This is this is a it's like a rock opera musical. Nice. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh you know, oh is he's like he has this curse. He's kind of like for one arm is like the length of like fourteen arms. The other arm is really, really short. His legs are messed up, like his face is deformed. He's got a lot of problems, right? And people see him as a monster. 
he comes in contact with this guy, this young uh, Biwa priest who plays music, and like they, he's the the priest is blind, so he doesn't know. They start a friendship. He plays his music, you know, does the dancing, and they start telling stories about these like fallen soldiers and everything. And every time they like do a performance, the souls of the the fallen soldiers or warriors or whatever that they're they're telling the stories of like lift a little bit of the curse so like first he gets like normal human legs so every time he does that and it just keeps going and going and going and i mean if you're a fan of his like uh animation style which is just usually like 15 18 different styles all packed into one movie you're gonna love this it's just more of the same this is probably his most um how do i want to say this like his most adult like sophisticated work so mm. far i would say i mean it has some silly aspects to it but not not as other movies do and i mean sometimes it's just downright beautiful there's one shot in particular where i think i forget who it is that's saying but there's like millions of um like cherry blossom leaves or petals falling and just the way that it's animated is just incredible. Nice. Yeah, this looks this looks great. Uh, the music's good too. You know, for someone like me that's not a big musical guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the music's great. Cool. And that's uh Inu Yo. That's going to be on Hulu. Uh I'm continuing my uh my Walter Hill deep dive this week. I'll transition from Inuyo to a, another movie that involved someone who was looked at as a monster. And that's uh, Johnny Handsome from 1989. This stars Mickey Rourke as a a guy who he's like, he's got like the elephant man um, disease. Okay. Uh, yeah, elephantitis or oh, I can't remember the, the term. But at any rate, he has severe facial deformities and he is uh, he's like a career criminal and a job goes wrong and his mentor gets gets killed by Lance Hendrickson and Ellen Barkin, who are this like evil kind of murderous couple. And uh, Mickey Rourke's character, Johnny, he ends up going to prison. And while in prison, he gets approached by. Forrest Whitaker, who plays a reconstructive surgeon who is they're working on this like kind of experimental um, thing in that, like it's it's like a rehabilitation thing where they uh, give prisoners reconstructive surgery, I guess, or something. I don't know. But at any rate, they give him surgery that that uh, fix his deformities and uh they give him like a new identity a new name and all that stuff and he he goes on he gets approved for a work release and um he basically vows revenge against these two people who um killed his mentor and and sent him to prison and double crossed him and all that stuff it's pretty good uh i i like this more than some of hills like later things like it was it was entertaining it was um well shot it was well acted 
So I, I think that this is definitely definitely a fun one. It's not like on the same level as, as some of his other movies. I'd say that the, this is like kind of a mid um, entry in his filmography. Still quite entertaining though. I I enjoyed it for the most part. Um, uh, Morgan Freeman plays his like caseworker slash cop. This takes place in New Orleans too, so it's got a lot of that like New Orleans flavor to it, which I I like. So yeah, um, I can recommend Johnny Handsome. Uh, I saw Trespass. This is a from nineteen ninety two. This is uh, with Bill Paxton, Ice T, William Sadler, mm-hmm. Ice Cube. Uh, it involves two firefighters who find a treasure map in a burning building. This uh, this guy, they go into this burning building, and this guy ends up jumping into the flames. So he kills himself using the fire, but before doing so, he leaves this like treasure map. And William Sadler and Bill Paxton use this treasure map to find this abandoned factory where they um, discover that all this like gold, tons of gold, is stashed. Uh, but it turns out that a a gang is also using this abandoned factory as a place to conduct business slash kill kill someone, and it turns into this cat and mouse game where you have uh, Bill Paxton, William Sadler, trying to get out of this factory where they're being hunted by this this gang. Uh, it's a lot of fun. This one is also uh, exactly what you would expect from a Walter Hill movie. Um, quite good. Uh, I would recommend this one. Uh, the final one that I'll mention is Undisputed from 2002. This is a it's a boxing movie, but it takes place in prison. So you have Wesley Snipes, who is a, a former boxer who was sent to prison for killing a man. Um, who was sleeping with his girlfriend or wife. And then you have Ving Rames, who was the, he's the current heavyweight champion of the world. And he gets sent to prison for raping a woman. Uh, This seems like it, it, Ving Rames character seems like a very thinly veiled version of um, Mike Tyson. You, and then, so what you have here is in this prison, they do a um, like a boxing league, uh, where once a month the prisoners can do like these these sanctioned sort of fights in, in like an actual boxing ring and stuff. And Wesley Snipes is undefeated. He just destroys everybody who challenges him. And you know, Ving Rhames comes in, world heavyweight champ, and they set up this this boxing match. Peter Falk is in this uh, and he's great in this. And he plays uh, this like mobster guy who organizes the fight and everything. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's very average. Um, It's very forgettable. It's just kind of uh, your typical prison slash boxing movie. There's just really nothing too interesting here. Unfortunately, the performances are good. Like Wesley Snipes and Ving Rhames are awesome in this as is Peter Falk, as I mentioned, but 
like the story itself is just very generic. There's really not a lot here. Everything that I mentioned is pretty much exactly what happens in this movie. You get these two guys, they train, they fight. There's a winner. Roll credits. Like it's just there's just not a lot here. It wasn't like offensively bad or anything, but and also like I don't know, Walter Hill he he does some like goofy stuff with um title cards in this where like he like flashes up what everybody is in prison for and stuff and I don't know. It's like he's trying to make it a little bit more like docu-fiction-esque. Get that kind of vibe, but I don't know. It doesn't really work. Mm. Uh, So that's it. That's all I got. Oh, I have one last thing because I forgot to mention it. I forgot to log it a while ago, but I watched Quick Change, the Bill Murray Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, to be. Why not? throw Throw it on there. So I got to say, like, this was fairly interesting. Uh, A, the bank robbery, and then, like, the initial, like, them trying to leave New York, and they can't. Mm-hmm. But, man, did it run out of steam. Oh, yeah. And it just kind of got ridiculous, like, as it went on. And I just I kind of lost interest about, I can't even remember, like, when when the when the interest started to wane, but it was so, it started so high, you know, Mm -hmm. just like the way that they, like, they really took their time, like through, through the bank robbery. Like it just, it it played out like almost in real time. And it's just like, man, this is completely, this is not what I was expecting. And then them getting out and trying to leave New York city, just trying to make it to the airport. And then, like I said, it just, man, it really lost steam. Yeah, I I still I still I still think that this was better than what people ma- made it out to be. I still liked it, definitely, without a doubt. But it just it, to me, it felt like the the promise was so high. Yeah, in the beginning, there you're like, oh my god, this is going to be incredible. Yeah, and then you're like, oh okay, I see what happens. <laughs> it do- yeah, it definitely does lose steam. Cool. Uh, that's quick change on Tubi, directed by Bill Murray and Howard Franklin. Bill Murray's only directing credit. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Uh, Got two notable ones. The Pope's Exorcist with Russell Crowe. This is the one that um, is, uh, it's about uh, Father Amorth, who was the real life exorcist that the movie The Exorcist was based on. Uh, This probably is going to be very bad. Uh, Do you have any interest in this one? No, I do not. Can't imagine you would. We also have Renfield. This is the one with Nicolas Cage where he plays Dracula. And uh, it's directed by Chris McKay. So, I don't know. Maybe this is... uh, Looks looks like it could be fun. I don't know if we want to be hopping in the theater to see it, but I don't know. Maybe the mood will strike. You never know. What's your take on Renfield? Uh, No, thanks. Okay. Uh, On VOD this week, starting with April 11th, we have Out of the Loop, uh, which is a documentary about Chicago stand-up comics. Got Strain 100, which appears to be a horror movie. We got The Tudor on DirecTV. So if you're one of the five people that has a DirecTV subscription, you can enjoy 
The Tudor. The Tudor. Starring Garrett Hedlund. No, Garrett Hedlund? Yeah, man. Is he the Tudor? Making a comeback. I don't think he's the Tudor. I think someone else is the Tudor. We have Linoleum. This is, uh, I think it's like a dark comedy, maybe. It's with Jim Gaffigan. Uh, the Strange Case of Jackie Kailu. It's uh, maybe like a werewolf type story. We got Breakout. This is all still on the 11th, by the way. Breakout with Tom Sizemore. Uh, Emily, which is a... Uh, it imagines Emily Bronte's own gothic story that inspired her seminal novel, Wuthering Heights. Then on the 14th, we have Perfect Addiction. We got Dark Entities. Kids vs. Aliens, which is going to be on Shudder. One of who these... You got, who got kids or aliens? Uh, yeah, oh, no, oh, oh I have kids. Pick? I saw the trailer yeah. for this, and I'm going to say the kids, the kids win. Okay. I guess it all depends on what the aliens are. I think they're pretty ruthless, but the kids are the kids look like they're a bunch of little badasses. Little badasses mm-hmm. with attitudes. This is uh directed by Jason Eisner, so uh, of uh Hobo with a shotgun fame. Gotcha. So, I got aliens. I got aliens. Uh okay. All right. All right. I will I hope that that movie is just aliens demolishing kids. I don't think it is. I don't think it will be. I'm I'm planning on checking this out though, so I'll I'll report back next week. Yes. Uh we got one of these days. Uh Seven Kings Must Die. That's gonna be on Netflix. We have Weathering, which is also on Netflix. We have One True Loves, which is an absolutely horrible title. We have Chantilly Bridge, and it looks like that's about it. On Blu-ray this week, we have uh, Heart of the Dragon, sorry, Heart of Dragon, which is from 1985. That is a Jackie Chan, Sammo Hung film, which I have not seen, but I'm interested. Flashdance is coming out in 4K. There's also a cool looking, really cool looking uh, steelbook version of this that's coming out. Last day is getting a steelbook? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It, it's, uh, what's his name? It's the, the covers in the style of, uh, oh my God, that 80s artist that I like, Nagel. Dance steelbook. Looking it up. Mm-hmm. Last name's Nagel, right? Is it some, something Nagel? You know what I'm talking about? Like the Duran Duran oh. album cover, that dude? Yeah, Patrick Nagel. Patrick Nagel, that's it. Yeah. I like, I like, okay, I got you. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I like I like his stuff. Um, Got Infinity Pool coming out. Hell is for Heroes from 1962. Bless the Child from 2000. Looks like House of a Thousand Corpses is getting a 20th anniversary edition. Scare Package 2 is coming out. That's on Shudder. The Truth About Spring from 1965. Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolarama 2 is coming out. That's from 2022, believe it or not. I was not aware that this movie existed. I think it's crazy that they made a sequel to that movie uh, so many years later. And it's like... 
it looks like a bunch of people from the original cast are in it, and Brink Stevens directed it. So that's kind of interesting. I'm sure it's bad, but but know that. But I kind of want to check it out. Uh, there's a box set for the In Search of Darkness trilogy that's coming out. Uh, so if you haven't seen that huge sprawling documentary series, uh, now's the time. 872 minutes worth of 80s horror movies. So mm, strap, st- strap in on that one. <clears throat> Woman of the Photographs. Uh G.I. Joe Retaliation from 2013, just getting a random Blu-ray drop. Yeah, that's pretty much it. What about uh, Criterions this week? We got one Criterion, and that's the Fisher King. Rum Williams, Jeff Bridges, Terry Gilliam, Fisher King from 91. You know, I never saw this. I saw it a long time ago. I mean, I think, like, think I, I've I always it. wanted to see it, but I just never have. Well, now you can on Criterion yeah. 4K UHD. Nice. Cool. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcastfilmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net, at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That'd be great. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.